happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Friday. I don't know what day this will post, so, you know, maybe all of this will be moot. But it's Nick the American. It's episode 12. And I'm super excited. Can you hear it? I've had a semi-wonderful day so far, and it's just going to continue going onward and upward. Today, I've got my football jamboree. Coaching football. We're playing three or four schools. Tonight, it should be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Now, this will be the last podcast episode before I have my surgery for my kidney stone. So that's exciting. The next time you talk to me, the next time you listen to me, I will have a stint in, right? And I'm not even kidding. You know what my doctor's name is? I get to meet with her before the surgery. It's a female, and her name is Dr. Dong. Dong! I'm not kidding. So Dr. Dong is going to be working on my dong, hopefully improving it. Hopefully improving it. We don't know. But yeah, that's that's actually real. That's actually real. So the next time you talk to me, I will have a stint in. If I can actually function. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. The Denver Nuggets are world champions for the first time in 47 years. 47 doggone years. Can you believe it? So good for the Nuggets. The Vegas Golden Knights, they won it. Man, they won it easily. So did the Nuggets. I mean, both the Stanley Cup and uh, the NBA championship. Holy moly. Blowouts. Blowouts. Gentlemen sweeps, as they call them. So who owns the Colorado Avalanche? the Denver Nuggets, and the Los Angeles Rams. Stan Kroenke, man, you've had a hell of a few years, haven't you? He's got a Super Bowl championship. He's got an NBA championship. And he's got an NHL championship. What, all within like two and a half years, two years? Are you shitting me? Stan Kroenke, holy moly. Talk about an owner running shit. That's Stan Kroenke right now. My goodness. All right, enough about sports for a little bit. Well, we've learned a little bit more about the king, Donnie Trump, and his indictment. My goodness. Republicans, this is an opportunity. I I know you guys are all huddling in your circles, right? Stop saying right, Nick. Fuck. I say that too much. I apologize. I got to be better. I got to be better. So... Republicans have to be all gathering together and saying, is this the time we kick him off the plane? We boot him. How do we, what, what is our exit strategy for Donald Trump here? He's been indicted not once, but twice now with two other indictments coming. And you guys have heard me talk about the Georgia phone call, which for a party and In particular, a president who was talking about voter fraud, voter fraud. There he is in Georgia asking what he believes to be friendly Republicans that are going to help him. He's asking them to just reverse the election. So this is not most likely the last time he gets indicted. But as Bill Barr, the greatest attorney general of all time, according to Trump, said, this this document's indictment 
is the most dangerous. I saw his his former chief of staff, John Kelly, say that Trump's scared shitless. Maybe for the first time in his life, he's scared shitless. He fucked up. There literally is no defense. Think about this for a second. If you or me or a member of Congress, right, anybody, just a regular person, not that a member of Congress is a regular person, but any person had taken our nation's most sensitive information and kept it, what do you think would have happened to us? Our house would have been ransacked. We would have been taken and put in jail, right? There I go. That's what would have happened. What happened with Trump? They gave him one year. They basically pleaded with him. And again, as Bill Barr said, they wanted the National Archives, our Justice Department, they wanted these sensitive documents back. He had a full year. He, his lawyers signed papers. There are no more sensitive, highly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. It was total bullshit. It was total bullshit. He could have just given them back. He had a full damn year. I know all crimes essentially are self-inflicted, right? They are. If I go out and shoot somebody, well, geez, Nick, it's self-inflicted, dipshit. This was the definition of a self-inflicted wound. And I think the question that everyone should ask themselves, and I think the question that I would like, if Donald Trump's going to run for president, he's going to be in debates, I want to know why you kept compartmentalized, classified documents. Why did you do it? Everyone can speculate. There's something called Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the, the correct one. What is the simplest explanation for Donald Trump keeping highly classified documents? The most highly classified documents that we have. Well, we've learned he had documents pertaining to the United States military vulnerabilities he had documents pertaining to attack plans on other countries. He had documents pertaining to our nuclear arsenal. What the fuck? Why? Why, Don? So think about Occam's razor for a second. What is the simplest explanation for this? Is it... No one's ever told him, no, those are my documents. You don't tell me what to do. I do what I want. I'm the king. Is that the simplest explanation? He just doesn't answer to anybody. And when someone tells him what to do, he says, fuck you. But why, why attack plans? Why are vulnerabilities on in, in our military? Why? Why, why, why nuclear information? Why would you keep that? To me, the simplest explanation is it's power. It's worth money. Trump is a transactional president. He's a businessman. 
what is an attack plan on Iran worth? If we have highly sensitive documents pertaining to our military and its vulnerabilities or strengths, what is that document worth to certain countries? Maybe to our country, it's priceless, right? Maybe. What's it worth to the Saudis or the Russians or the Chinese? Are some of those documents worth a billion dollars? And if so, is that the simplest explanation? It was a transaction. It was potential power. He could make a little bit of money off this at some point. Or is that going too far, Nick the American? Is that going too fucking far, right? Treason, no. I don't know. What's the simplest explanation for him having those documents? Is it money? Is it leverage? Is it that he's just crazy? Now, let, let me remind Republicans. I get this every single day. Oh, Biden's too old. He is too old. We've talked about it at nauseum. If Joe Biden ever did anything like this, if you can prove to me that he did something like this, I, I would never support him. I might not vote for Donald Trump or Ron DeSantos, but I would not vote for president. No way in hell. I might I might actually vote for Ron as a, a, a protest vote. If Hillary Clinton ever did this, her email server, are you fucking kidding? Essentially what Hillary Clinton did was take her work home with her. That's essentially what she did. The right one to hang her. What would the right want to do if this was reversed and this was Hillary Clinton? Well, I can tell you what I hope the left would do if this was Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. They would cut fucking ties immediately. This is your time, Republicans. This is an opportunity for your exit strategy from your hijacker, Donald Trump. He hijacked the party. You thought he was going to be D.B. Cooper when he hijacked the party. He was going to jump off the plane eventually. He's never jumping off the plane. He's either got to die, which I don't, I'm not suggesting Nick the American wants that. Hell no. He's either got to die or he's got to go to jail. Stand up, Republicans. Stand up, Marco Rubio. Come on, Marco. He, he he said you had a little dick. And now you're saying, well, we can't prove that national security was affected. Come on, Marco, stand up. Ted Cruz, you're an attorney. Look at this as if it was just a regular person. Look at this as if it was Ted Cruz, or excuse me, Hillary Clinton. That's how you should look at it, Ted. Come on, Ted. Stand up, Ted. Ted Cruz, he's made fun of your wife. He said your dad was involved in the assassination of JFK. Now is your time to hit him with a zinger and stand up and say, get this guy the fuck out of here. Good old Ted Cruz. 
Good old Ted Cruz. Come on, Ted. Ted Cruz has got to stand for something or he'll file for anything. Ted Cruz has got to be his own man and not a puppy on a string. Never let him make fun of your wife and uphold your daddy's name. Ted Cruz, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Ted Cruz, stand up. Stand up. Lindsey Graham, stand up. Mitch McConnell on the sidelines, stand up. I know, I know you guys are afraid. He'll take 25%. And if you don't get reelected, what good are you? You're no longer a protector of the Republican Party. No longer a member of the GOP in some ways. You can bet your ass Republicans are huddling around, figuring out. Do we cut ties with this guy? There is no defense for keeping military attack plans, our military vulnerabilities, nuclear information. You could see, hey, Trump kept his letter for his love letters from Kim Jong-un. Why would he keep those? They're mine. They're totally they're my letters. No, they're the people's letters, John Donnie. But Don probably thinks a letter from Kim Jong-un or a letter to is worth, I don't know, $20 million to some collector, maybe, right? I don't know. Simplest explanation. Why did this dipshit do this? And reverse it. If it was Hillary Clinton, I call her Carmen Sandiego. Some people call her James Bond in a pantsuit. If she did this... What would you be saying? Just be fair. Equal. What would Mark Levin, the great one, say if it was this was Hillary Clinton? Defending the president at every turn. What would he say if this was Hillary Clinton? He'd be screaming, hang her. That little bastard would be. Guaranteed. Trump's scared shitless. He's scared shitless. Maybe... Instead of prison time, can we just make a deal? Trump, you're not allowed to run for president. You've got to sit on the sidelines. You cannot endanger our republic any longer. And for that, if you can agree to that, then we'll not give you any jail time. Would that work? Would everyone before that? Donnie can't run? I know a lot on the left want to see him in jail. I don't really give a fuck. I just... he has no business being the CEO of the United States of America. Joe Biden's old. Donald Trump is fucking dangerous. What were you going to do with that information, you son of a bitch? Shit, maybe they put, should put him in prison. They should probably just put him in prison. You know he can't shut the fuck up. They'd make a plea deal with him where he can't run for president, and he would essentially run for president on the sidelines. That's what he would do. All right. I'm done talking Don for a little bit. Let's talk about Conor McGregor. I talked about him like one episode ago or two episodes ago with regards to the UFC. 
He's not a fighter. We're not talking about Conor McGregor the fighter. He had a hell of a week. <laughs> he had a hell of a week. And 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 the first thing I'm going to bring up, I was la- I was cracking up. But as the week went on, it got more serious. So I don't mean to laugh. Don't want to get canceled. Nick the American doesn't want to get canceled. Come on now. Come on now. So I'm watching a video clip. NBA Finals, Nuggets, Heat. Connor's at the Miami Heat game courtside. And they've obviously got like some fun little halftime celebration with the mat, the Heat mascot and McGregor. McGregor's going to punch him. Maybe I got duped, but it appears to me that Conor McGregor fucking clocks him. Boom! Then he gets on top of the mascot and throws a finishing punch. And if my eyes are correct, it looks like that mascot is unconscious as they drag him away. He went to the hospital. Can you imagine? You rehearse this pregame. You know that you're going to do a fun little skit with Conor McGregor. He's going to whack you. You've got a big suit on. It's not going to hurt. And Conor McGregor comes after you like you were Jose Aldo. He fucking knocks you out. I would I would have been so damn pissed if I was the mascot. Like, McGregor, give me a million bucks, you son of a bitch. That wasn't part of the deal. You just knocked me the fuck out. He's fucking nuts. And he's not a fighter. He is not a professional fighter. He's just a freak show. So I was cracking up about Conor McGregor. I was showing my sons this. Look at this. This isn't this funny. I I couldn't stop laughing. Then it got a little more serious. Well, actually, then I read he's expecting his fourth child. Congratulations, Conor. Congratulations. His fourth child. Great news. So he knocks out the heat mascot. He's expecting his fourth child. Me and Connor have something in common now. We're going to have both have four kids. So dope, Connor, to have four. It's not that dope. Sometimes it fucking sucks. Sometimes it's awesome. So we both have four kids. But we just learned there is a rape accusation from the same week at the finals week. So the crazy Conor McGregor knocked out the heat mascot. He's being accused of rape and his fourth kids on the way. His plate. It's full. He obviously he's not a real fighter. He doesn't have time. He's too busy doing stupid shit. I want to see Conor McGregor in the octagon at least one more time against a real opponent. And everyone can see Dana White knows this. Conor McGregor knows this. He will, if he fights a real opponent and I don't, you know, the cowboy was old. I think that's the last victory in the octagon he's had. See, look at me. I know UFC. I want to see him step in there one more time and just get the fuck beat out of him. Good luck, Conor McGregor. Good luck. I hope those accusations are not true. The mascot thing was funny as hell, you psychopath. And congratulations on a fourth kid. It'll change your life. 
probably changed my life a hell of a lot more than yours. How many diapers does Conor McGregor really change? Probably not as many as Nick the American did. I can guarantee you that. All right. Here we go. You know, I've got a few friends all over the political spectrum. And me and a couple of buddies the other day, we were talking about cancel culture. And they were whining about the left. One was whining about the right. And I said to both of them, I said, stop fucking whining. This whole cancel culture thing that's taken off in the last few years, several years. I got news for Republicans. I got news for Democrats. Democrats are for cancel culture until they're against it. They're against cancel culture until they're for it. Republicans, does that sound familiar? You're in the same damn boat. Republicans are against cancel culture until they're for it. They're for cancel culture until they're against it. That was my whole argument to my friends as they're giving certain examples. One example I always like is um, the Dixie Chicks, Natalie Maines. I literally was in, what did Natalie Maines do? And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but she was the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks. She was like in England. She said Bush was a dummy and she was embarrassed by him. Something like that. She got death threats. Members of Congress were saying boycott the Dixie Chicks. They were canceling her ass. And and, and, and the left does it too. We'll cancel anything. I was actually in a bar in Nashville. And somebody, somebody requested a Dixie Chicks song. And rewind there for a, here for a second. The singers in the Nashville bar had asked, who, who is served? Is anybody here served in the United States military? And there's this badass dude had stood up and he said he'd served. Well, when this Dixie Chick song was requested, this guy stood up and told the singers in this Nashville bar, no, you're not playing it. He didn't say you're not playing it. He got up, moved up close to them and said, no. They didn't play the Dixie Chick song. So both sides, left and right, they're for cancel culture until they're against it and vice versa. So my, as my two friends are kind of arguing over who's worse at cancel culture, I said, let me bring you back to a time that was a little less polarizing. Certainly, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. So we didn't know certain, you know, affiliations of Hollywood celebrities. Are you Republican or Democrat? We just assumed they were all Democrats, but there's there's Republicans too. So let me take you back to 1990. A beautiful woman by the name of Roseanne Barr. Cancel culture does not exist, by the way. Just something called being fired exists. And being fired is as American as apple pie. People get fired all the time for all sorts of reasons. We've kind of morphed it into cancel culture. But I bring up Roseanne Barr because in 1990, does everyone remember what she did? The beautiful, the classy Roseanne Barr stood up and sang the national anthem, I believe, at a Padres game. It was 1990. 
She purposely butchered the anthem. She grabbed her pussy. And she hocked a fucking loogie. Now, this is pre-cancel culture, right? Everybody was in agreement that she was just a dumb bitch for doing that. It was fucking awful. There was no, the left wants to cancel her and fire her. The right wants to protect her. Everybody looked at that and their stomach turned. Grabbing her pussy, hawking a loogie. The beautiful, the classy Roseanne Barr. No one was defending her. No one was running to her side. We didn't give a fuck or we didn't know if she was a Republican or a Democrat. We didn't care. What she did was ridiculously stupid. Then we fast forward. This was a few years. This was during the Obama administration, tail end of his administration. Valerie Jarrett was one of Obama's advisors, uh, African-American woman. And she tweets out at like 2.30 or 3 in the morning. Valerie Jarrett looks like a Muslim brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby. Now, mind you, Roseanne's got her show back on ABC. She's making millions of dollars. She represents a network who try and appeal to mass, uh, ma ma the masses, right? Should she have been fired for that? All of a sudden, the right comes to her d defense. Start pumping up the Roseanne ratings. I remember looking at the Drudge Report. Roseanne's show is soaring amongst conservatives. No cancel Roseanne. No cancel Roseanne. What she did was so stupid. If you do that in your place of work, if you're blatantly racist like that, you could be fired. And like I said, being fired is as American as apple pie. You can't do anything you want, especially when you make millions of dollars from a network who, do, who doesn't care if you're left or right. They just want you to tune in. They don't want to offend people. What she said was super offensive. Valerie Jarrett looks like the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of Apes had ba a baby. Why did you do that? Should she be canceled forever? No. But... It takes more than one of a, one apology. We talked about Bob Bird a long time ago, many episodes ago. He apologized 10,000 times, and so should Roseanne. So should Roseanne. But look at the contrast. In 1990, she butchers the anthem, grabs her crotch, and hocks a loogie. And everybody can agree. This bitch is a bitch. Fast forward polarization of politics. She comes out against an Obama advisor, says some racist stuff. The left wants to get rid of her, cancel her. ABC does get rid of her and cancel her. The right wants to improve her ratings and protect her. Next time you think about cancel culture, think about Roseanne Barr, how that should have been handled.
how we've changed. She deserved the middle finger on both of them, from both sides. Is that so hard to understand? Is that so hard to agree with? It shouldn't be. You stay if you say stupid shit like that. You open yourself up. You open air go into the office. Tell a black coworker they look like the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes had a baby. Tell that, you know, that coworker that you don't even know that well. So funny. So damn funny. Apologize, 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 Roseanne. I know you have. But this highlights, the to me, the, the cancel culture thing. You're for it until you're against it. You're for it in terms of the Dixie Chicks. You're against it. When it comes to Roseanne Barr. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Call Roseanne what she is. I don't, I don't even know what she is. I don't even know. I'm not even going to call her anything. I used to watch your show in the 90s, Roseanne. Tom Arnold was kind of funny. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I want to bring something up. Because it scares me. We live in kind of a bubble here in the United States of America. Everything's wonderful. Somewhat peaceful. We can walk into a grocery store and buy food. We can go vacation at a Airbnb. We can go cut the grass. Have people over in our backyard. All sorts of fun stuff, right? Well, the war in Ukraine has had me worried since the jump, and I haven't talked about it. Vladimir Putin and his Russian army are not doing so good. From all accounts, or some accounts, more than most accounts, the Russians are getting their asses kicked. Putin made a huge mistake by thinking he could go into Ukraine as some sort of peacekeeper, take over the country, take back, you know, Mother Russia. Huge calculated mistake. Ukraine is fighting back like never before. Sounds like they're doing very well. And I remember the first week or two of the war, I was thinking, God, is Vladimir Zelensky going to be alive in a week? Russians are going to hunt him down and kill him. Well, that was not the case. That was not the case. He managed to stay alive. He's been to Congress. He's been all over the world promoting his war. And it seems like they're doing pretty doggone good. Now, here's what scares me. You're telling me that Vladimir Putin is going to get his army decimated. And he's going to get the shit beat out of him. Be embarrassed in front of the entire world. And then just crawl back with his tail between his legs. With the largest nuclear arsenal in the world. 
on the sideline? Or as he's getting beaten down and beaten down and he realizes the end is near, does he have a parting gift for the people of Ukraine? Does he have a parting gift for cities in the United States of America? This is what scares me. Will Vladimir Putin sit on the sidelines with this nuclear arsenal as he gets the shit beat out of him by the Ukrainians? I don't know. That's what scares me. So all of these wonderful things that Americans enjoy, what happens if he he launches at four or five cities? Yikes. My goodness. Pray to God or whatever you pray to that that doesn't happen. Let's say as he's got his tail between his legs and he realizes the end's near, they launch a nuclear missile at Kiev. They wipe Kiev off the map. What is the United States' response there? He doesn't attack us, but he attacks Ukraine. I know we can talk tough, but the whole reason for nuclear weapons, they're the ultimate deterrent. There is no winner in a nuclear war. If he launched a nuclear missile at Kiev, we would have to sanction the shit out of him, do everything we could to cut them off and isolate the Russian Russians, right? Hurt a bunch of innocent Russians too in, in, in the process. But if he launched at Kiev, wiped them off the map, aren't we powerless in some ways? We can't launch back at him. Let's say there's 780,000 Ukrainians dead. And Zelensky's calling for us to wipe Russia out. Sorry, I don't think we can do it. Could he nuke Kiev? And if he did, what would the U.S.'s response be? We can't retaliate with the same measure, can we? If we do, we're fucked. So I wonder about this. Vladimir Putin, this Russia-Ukraine war. How does this end? How does it end? And if Russia is going to get its ass whipped in front of the world, do they sit there with the world's largest nuclear arsenal on standby, just sitting there on the sidelines? Or does Putin say, fuck you, I've got a big shit burger for you? That scares me. That scares me. Life as we know in the United States of America would change, obviously. I don't want it to change. Think about that. I think about it a lot. No more nuke talk. Something a little more exciting. Listen, I didn't bring it up last episode. I brought it up the episode before. I am going to bring this up a couple more times. Because July 29th, I've told you, the fight of the last 20 years will happen. Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. I don't know who's going to win. 
I don't know who's going to win. Me and my nine-year-old daughter, we gamble on fights. I'm a pretty good dad, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. We like to gamble on boxing matches. She always gets to pick the fighter. She always gets to pick the fighter. I show her like the stare off of the fighter at the press conference, the fighters, and she gets to pick. I try to bamboozle her a little bit because she doesn't know who's good and who's not. But we're going to put 25 bucks on this fight, me and my nine-year-old, and she gets to pick. So she's looking at the photo of Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, and she's trying to get some information. Daddy, who do I pick? Who do I pick? And I say, honey, whoever you take, I will gladly take the other guy because I don't know who's going to win this fight. It's July 29th, Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Start making your plans now. Attend somebody's party. Have a party of your own. This is what big-time boxing is about. It's about getting together with a lot of people, eating some good food, drinking a little bit, and watching a special fight that does not come around very often. <sighs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Juneteenth, everybody. And just keep this in mind from the bottom of my heart. Remember this. We are all, Nick the American as well, we've got 15% more on in us. All of us do. All of us do. With that said, you take that 15% more on and you go have a great time this weekend or whatever the heck you do. But just remember, you're part moron, as am I. Laugh at yourself. I keep telling you, don't take yourself so serious. It's one of the problems in this country. Republicans, Democrats, and nihilists, we're too serious. We're all 15% moron. We all have that in common. Have a good weekend, morons. This moron will. I love you, sort of. And next time you talk to me, I'll have a stint in my dog. Goodbye.